Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Kyle Gillette, a dual-board-certified physician in family medicine and obesity medicine, and an expert in optimizing hormone levels to improve overall health and well-being in both men and women. In this episode, we discuss the complexity of the obesity epidemic and how it's not just one problem, but in his words, everything is wrong. We discuss hormones, endocrine disruptors, food IQ, the thrifty genome, and why enhanced athletes may be having more female children, and so much more. Kyle is a brilliant physician and an excellent practitioner. I heard him on another podcast, and I knew that I had to bring him on. This is the second of three episodes that he's doing for us, and each one is packed with insightful and actionable information. So now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Kyle, from your experience with dealing with obesity, body composition, is body composition as simple as calories in, calories out, or is there much more to this equation that we need to examine? Definitely not that simple when it comes to maintaining a healthy body composition over a long period of time. So there's obviously different tissues in the body. You know, there's adipose tissue, which does have some lean muscle mass. It's not only fat percentage, maybe 10% lean body mass in your adipose tissue. Anyway, you'll also have um, many different types of muscle tissue, smooth muscle, cardiac muscle, somatic muscle, um, muscle that you, you know, that's how you think of regular muscles. And this helps with your lean body mass and metabolism. So when you're talking about the obesity epidemic, it's really also talking about the body composition epidemic. Even when you think of a bodybuilder with very low subcutaneous adipose or subcutaneous fat, maybe they have a lot of visceral fat, fat around the liver, fat around the organs. So it's really uh, an all-encompassing picture of where the individual has fat, where the individual has lean body mass. Interesting. Why is it that so many people are struggling with their weight? And there's so much, so many resources now. I mean, it's like, I don't know, what is the percentage of the US population that's obese right now? Do you know? Of obese, I believe it's around 35 to 40%. Obese plus overweight is approaching three quarters of the adult population. My goodness. So when nutritional factors are on par, why is it that some people struggle with their body composition more than others? When there's such a high percentage of people struggling with any pathology, obesity or otherwise, obesity is considered a disease and, a, and in fact, an epidemic by the CDC, by the way, there's usually everything wrong. So you can't chalk it up to just processed foods. You can't chalk it up to only uh, food IQ. These things all matter, of course. You can't chalk it up to only hypogonadism, endocrine disruptors, it's all the above. So some of it's genetic, some of it's epigenetic, the thrifty genome also plays a part. What's that? Uh, uh, it's basically the, the genes that say individuals who have been in cases of starvation in the past, for example, feudal age Europe or dark age Europe, the ones that survived via natural selection were the ones that, were, that had the thrifty genotype. Hmm. or the type that tended to have a super slow metabolism despite running all day. So um, I think the meme is you're, you're like running from uh, a horseman or a knight that's trying to chop your head off and, and not eating, and somehow you survive. Wow. So that person would have a slower metabolism. Would that mean they'd store more body fat? 
theoretically, um, it, this is not a great explanation for the uh, the modern day epidemic of obesity just in developed countries. Well, okay, so you talked about endocrine disruptors. Can you explain what those are and some of the common ones that we're seeing now that we should maybe be paying attention to? Yeah, so an endocrine disruptor is anything that's going to affect your endocrine system in a negative way. Um, for example, I would consider kratom one of these. Kratom will increase your prolactin and it will decrease the action of dopamine on your pituitary. So it will decrease your LH, which will decrease your progesterone and testosterone for men and your progesterone, testosterone, of course, estrogen as well for women, and also potentially lead to issues with your menstrual period or issues with suboptimal levels of testosterone and high prolactin. So another one is bisphenol A. Um, that's, you always see BPA-free on the water bottles. That's a potential endocrine disruptor. It, it very likely is. That can also lead to similar issues. The first one you said was Kratom? Kratom. K-R-A-T-O-M. It's, it's a natural substance. It's a plant. And you basically mm -hmm. find it, if you look at their stores that say like American Shaman or, you know, a lot of times it's sold with CBD or THC and states that it's mm -hmm. able to do. And uh, it has a bunch of different bioactive compounds. So it's not just the opioid-like effect, but it does have an opioid-like effect, kind of like in the same reason why medications like Suboxone, which is a form of buprenorphine, can also be an endocrine disruptor as a medication. Wow. So plastics, those types of things are things you'd want to avoid. Do you drink everything out of like glass? Not necessarily. Uh, okay. I think metal's okay. I even think BPA-free water bottles are okay. Okay. To be safe, I suppose you could drink things out of glass. If you're someone that's pushing to be your best at work, at home, or in your personal life, then I invite you to sign up for my weekly newsletter, Adaptation. In this newsletter, I curate actionable information and resources on sleep, exercise, mental performance, diet, and so much more. You can sign up now by clicking the link in the show notes or going to www.ericcorum.com. Now, back to the show. What do you, what are the things in your house that you try to avoid? Like keep out of your house as far as like from a category of endocrine disruptors? Uh, personally, I try to keep out pesticides and herbicides. Okay. So um, there used to be this pesticide called DDT. Maybe a brand name was Durzban or something like that. But essentially this was uh, found to affect kids disproportionately and development. So um, obviously there's different lawsuits and such with glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup. And then there's all sorts of other um, pesticides and herbicides that are synthetic that we just don't know super well how they interact with. And there's also natural alternatives. The same thing with soaps. It's one of those things where if you, you don't, you shouldn't develop a, it's, it's almost like disordered eating. You develop a disordered worry or stress about anything that's unnatural. So some things that are unnatural are fine. You know, when I go to the store, I use the regular soap. But if there's safe, natural alternatives, you might as well use them at home and support those companies if you're financially able to. Yeah. So does this creep over into your food? Do you try to eat more organic or grass fed or things that are, you know, not sprayed with pesticides or herbicides? I try to eat grass fed and finished yeah. beef, at least, um, you know, not chickens. Chickens are not natural vegetarians. They like to eat bugs and free range. We have some chickens out here as well. Uh, I think oh, we're nice. down to... 14 or 15 of them. Um, Do they give you eggs? Yeah, they give us eggs as well. Oh, nice. That's awesome. You mentioned children. You know, what are some 
factors that contribute to childhood obesity and just kids being overweight. You know, like some, you may have a, three kids, two of them are normal weight, normal height. The third one is normal height, a little bit overweight. You know, what are some of the things that you're finding with children that can be contributing to being overweight or even obese? Some of it's just the, the shuffling or the roulette of the epigenome. So if you look at individuals, if you look at specifically females that have PCOS, they tend to have the gene that is more sensitive to androgens turned on, which affects their hormone balance. So they have the other one methylated or turned off. So some of it's just the shuffling, shuffling of the genome. Um, some of it is, uh, you know, like the effects of what the mother was doing during pregnancy. And some of it is also likely the effects of what the father was doing the two to three months before conception, almost kind of like a male pregnancy, because it affects the epigenome of the um, half the chromosomal material that came from the paternal side. So, so like what things, exercise, diet, like what are the things that could affect, that could affect, you know, your children three months prior to conception? Exercise and diet. One thing that we know very likely affects is high alcohol consumption. Wow. That can lead to risk of many things, including even like congenital heart defects, which are fairly common at baseline, two or 3%, but it can slightly increase the risk of that. Um, if things are a little bit different, then it usually doesn't. But if things are significantly different, a lot of nicotine consumption, a lot of alcohol consumption, medications even, um, these things can have quite a few changes. One interesting one is the phenomenon of bodybuilders or people who are enhanced athletes having more female children. And theoretically, it's because it changes the sensitivity of your gene or makes your why chromosome sperm be less healthy? I think it's due to inflammation because a lot of the other things that are happening is spiking up inflammatory markers like CRP, ESR, ferritin, interleukin-1, interleukin-6, even uh, NK cells, which are natural killer white blood cells. Y chromosome sperm die very, very easily. So you actually have more Y chromosome sperm than X chromosome sperm. And then uh, eggs that are fertilized with a Y chromosome sperm are also weaker. So there's more miscarriages of male embryos and fetuses as well. So there's a lot of different factors. Uh, I don't think it's directly the androgen exposure, but I do think it is the inflammation. Wow. This is fascinating. Thank you so much for discussing this today. I really, really appreciate it. You obviously have a wealth of knowledge that I am very interested to keep tapping into. So thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for joining Kyle and I today. And if you missed the first episode, you definitely want to go back and listen to that one and make sure to be on the lookout for his third episode with us. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.